0: The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the Safe Sleep Guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr Fallon and Dr Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respect to their elders' past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Brand New Little People. We are your hosts. I'm Dr Fallon Cook and I'm here with Dr Laura Conway. We're PhDs and sleep practitioners at Infant Sleep Australia. Um, We also... Um, set up and are running the Sombal Baby Sleep Program, soon to be Sombal Baby and Toddler Sleep programs, <laughs> which is a little bit exciting. Uh, Laura, how was your week? Yeah, hi Fallon and hi everyone. Uh,
1: yeah, I had a really busy week um, last week in the clinic, um, chock-a-block with families and um, I had quite a few uh, toddlers uh, in the clinic last week And I don't know about you, Fallon, but I seem to get this run on certain sleep issues from one week to the next.
0: Um, like all, all the toddlers are having secret conversations and conspiring yeah. <laughs> they're all in a whatsapp group that the parents yeah. don't know about <laughs> sharing notes yeah, yeah tonight at 3am <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so I
1: reckon that the um, the topic of conversation in the whatsapp group last week was um, to have split nights or biphasic nights oh that's
0: it's, exhausting
1: yeah oh god it's so tiring for those families Um, And for Mm. listeners who um, don't know what that is, and for many of you, you have got little babies, so you won't have come across this yet and not to scare you. um, But Mm. what can sometimes happen um, if um, a toddler or preschooler's um, sleep gets a bit out of whack is that they have extended overnight wakes. And so that means that they can be awake for. Sometimes it might just be half an hour if you're lucky, but in the clinic this week I had toddlers who were awake for three hours at a time, mm. so terrible. And often
0: with those split nights they're not trying to go back to sleep, they're wide awake oh, yeah. and just, they'd get up and have breakfast at 2am yes. if you let
1: them. <laughs> that's right. So it's biphasic because it's in two, their night sleep is in two phases, so they were having... A stretch of sleep mm-hmm. um at the start of the night then up for a few hours and then having the second stretch of sleep um after that
0: gosh so yes yeah, that's really tiring but luckily it usually is a reasonably quick fix so i'm sure by this week you'll have a few families reporting back that everything's gotten a whole lot easier so yeah, yeah it'd be nice when you get that feedback yeah awesome we, um, we've had so many new Sombell members over the past few days, so I just wanted to say a big welcome to all the new families and we hope you're absolutely loving the program and send us through your feedback. Um, we we'll always love to hear feedback and we update the program all the time to make sure it's, it's packed full of everything you need. Um, I thought with this episode I really wanted to do a big deep dive into dropping night feeds, Laura, mm. um, because I had this question come through And I just thought, you know, this just applies to pretty much every family. At some point, you're probably going to end up having to try to drop some night feeds and having a bit of guidance around how to do that Mm. um, can help so much. So um, a client of mine um, had recently helped her eight-month-old get used to falling asleep in their cot. And then they went and had a fabulous holiday overseas and sleep was going absolutely beautifully. They came home, were hit with illness. It's always the way, isn't it? You get back from a great holiday and then everyone's sick. Um, So the cot settling had gone a little bit off track during the illness, um, which is very normal. Um, And they're now working on helping their baby adjust to settling back in the cot again. Mm -hmm. And their paediatrician has recommended that they really need to start to reduce night feeds. But this mum emailed me because she's feeling a little bit unsure about how to do that. Um, She says her baby is currently feeding about every three to four hours at night Mm -hmm. um, and is taking quite decent feeds as well. Mm. um, And she'd like some advice on how to best reduce overnight feeds. So, yeah, I just thought this is a a really good one that we could do Mm. a bit of a deep dive into today. Um, And I thought let's start with when would you drop night feeds? Mm. I think it's... And and this is probably really highlights, I think, the huge variability baby to baby. Mm. Like, I've definitely had parents who have eight-week-olds who sleep through the night and don't feed yeah. at all. And they never feed at night again. Like, they mm-hmm. just – they've dropped all the feeds on their own accord. Parents haven't even tried to do it, um, you know, and – it's hard sometimes when you hear these stories because for a lot of parents that's not the way it goes there are you know going to be toddlers who hold on to those night feeds for years sometimes we see three-year-olds who still um have some feeds overnight is that your experience as well laura yeah
1: yeah definitely see the whole range um yeah, those who have dropped their feeds themselves really early and those that are three or even four. Actually, I think I've even had a five-year-old who still has a bottle in the night um, and everything mm-hmm. in between.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yep. And it's just so variable because, you know, typically what we suggest is from about that six-month mark, we know that babies babies are really good at making sure they meet their caloric needs. So there's a total number of calories that they need to have um each 24-hour period and they're really good at making sure they meet that need we know that by about six months of age they can manage to push all of their calories into daytime feeds and not feed overnight and mostly they'll do pretty well with that Um, but you'd always want to be checking that they've got good weight gain Mm -hmm. and if you're unsure at all just check in with your health nurse or your gp um before Mm. you try to drop those nighttime feeds um, but, yeah, it is so highly variable. There are parents who want to keep feeding overnight, you know, for far longer than six months, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but then, you know, there are parents where night feeding is absolutely driving them crazy and having mm-hmm. a really significant impact on parent wellbeing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think a way of highlighting that variability is sometimes we'll see a four-month-old who only feeds the one time overnight, but they're not taking a proper feed. They're mm-hmm. just having a really brief suckle once per night and then they're back down in their cot. And for those parents, it's fine to drop that night feed because they're not really taking much milk anyway. Mm -hmm. But normally we wouldn't suggest that parents of a four-month-old try to drop a night feed. Um, So it depends so much on what the baby's actually doing as well. Yeah. Um, And I think, well, what would you say is probably the main reason you find parents are, are keen to drop the night feeds? Um, yeah, when their babies are a little bit older,
1: um, so, you know, older than six months, and they maybe be, um, so they'll already be having some solids, um, but the parents are finding that their babies are only having one or two meals a day, and they're mm. refusing to have their dinner, or, you know, it's just so hit and miss. Some days they might just have half a teaspoon for one of their meals, and then, um, you know, another mm. day they have a bit more. And it just becomes um, quite hard for parents to um, do meal prep and to know how much food their baby is going to have from day to day. Uh, And they think, gosh, isn't it weird? Because they are feeding like three times a night. So they are hungry. Why aren't they eating Mm. their meals? And then we have a talk about how exactly what you were just saying about how babies um, who are well are um, pretty good at ensuring that they get all the calories that they need. And if they are having big feeds overnight, then that can um, be impacting their appetite for solids during the day. Um,
0: Yeah, definitely. Their little bodies can kind of get used to expecting to have a whole lot of calories overnight. So then that drive to to eat solid foods is pretty low Mm. and often parents will say i think they've got a problem with feeding because they're really super picky and just yeah, so variable with what they will eat in terms of solid foods um and then often a doctor or pediatrician has said to them look you really need to cut down on the night feeds and that can feel really scary because if you've got a baby who is taking really good decent feeds at night time then yeah trying to drop those you'd be thinking well they're probably hungry but sometimes it comes to a bit of a push and shove situation where in order to increase the intake of solid foods you really have to start to dial back the night feeds Mm. and it doesn't mean you have to just drop them all cold turkey no (laughs) like you can just start to gradually reduce how much you're giving them at night and that gives them time to compensate and take on more calories in the daytime yeah um So yeah, in terms of how you would approach dropping night feeds, I thought let's chat through a couple of different examples Mm -hmm. um, just to give parents a bit of an idea of how you might do it. I think maybe let's start with toddlers. So those who are 12 months or older, Um, and I think probably the situation I see most commonly with toddlers who are having night feeds is usually they're really reliant on the feed to fall asleep, and that's Mm -hmm. why they haven't dropped the night feeds. So they fall asleep at the start of the night and then they spring awake you know, five to oh, sometimes even 10 times overnight, oh, yeah. you know, calling out like, where the heck did you go? Get back in here. I <laughs> yeah. need to feed back asleep again. How very dare you leave me here? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, they're feeding at night purely just to get back off to sleep again. Um, so for those who are really reliant on that support, I mean, there's various ways you can do it. But I think for a lot of toddlers, especially the older ones, Sometimes you're better off dropping the night feeds before you change much else about the settling. So what I would mean by that is if they've been feeding a lot overnight, it might be that you say, okay, I'm going to feed them once, maybe about 1 or 2 a.m., something like that. So you still offer a feed for a few days, but every other time they wake, I'm going to give them whatever support it takes to get them back to sleep again. Mm -hmm. So that could be maybe you're holding them, maybe you're rocking them, maybe you're patting them in the cot. Um, You're going to have a few tricky settles because they're toddlers. They get pretty cranky when we try and change Mm -hmm. anything. Um, But you offer the sippy cup of water. So if they're feeling thirsty, they've got something to have. um, And you know that because of the age, they can absolutely make it through the night on just the one feed. And then after a few nights, you can drop that feed as well. So typically what we find is after about a week, they're no longer feeding at all overnight. But then they might be wanting to be held to sleep. Um, mm-hmm. or have the pats to sleep or whatever it is you've been using to help get them through that transition. Um, and that's when you start to work on weaning them off that level of support. So it might be that you, you know, commit to maybe padding them to sleep in their cot and then gradually reduce the padding. Um, yeah, there's a ton of different approaches you could use to yeah. do that. Um, but I think a lot of families find it easier before they change much about the settling to just really focus on getting rid of the night feeds because so many toddlers, once there's no night feed offered, they're like, well, fine, I'll sleep. <laughs> <And they're, laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes they do sleep right through the night or they wake minimally and then when you're working on resettling them in their cot, you're only doing it for one or two or three settles rather than, you know, five to ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so for some families that works really well. Um but you know, we we do it different ways for different families. Are there other ways that you've helped toddlers to drop night feeds? A lot, yeah. If there's families
1: who um, are on a tighter time scale, you know, and they're really at the end of their tether because they have been um, mm. with their uh, toddlers um, many, many, or since they were babies and then into toddlerhood, feeding them multiple times a night um, and that they're, they're just at the end of their tether then of course you can do both things at once so you can take away the feeding to sleep and introduce a new settling technique at the same time um, and then you know it might just be a matter of a week or so before um, the toddler is going to sleep without the feed and then making it through the night without needing to be you um, resettled with a feed each time they wake up so I think it really does depend Mm. on the um, on the child and on the family and the level of fatigue and exhaustion that's um, that's at play
0: yeah Yeah, it's definitely where you want to think about what the parents are likely to cope best with Um, you know you don't want to move too fast if it's too hard but similarly if they're in a really bad way then moving fast is sometimes what they prefer Mm. to do Um, And then you're thinking about the toddler's temperament as well. Um, Some toddlers, um, if they can see a parent nearby, they'll absolutely lose it. (laughs) They get really cranky if they can see you. Um, and you're actually better off just getting out of their space. Some parents leave the room and they're really surprised because their toddlers are just like, great, now she's gone, I'm going to sleep. Yes. <laughs> Whereas other toddlers couldn't be more different. And they want a parent sitting nearby while they're trying to fall asleep in their cot. They find that presence really reassuring and they make a really smooth adjustment that way. Yeah. Oh, and Fallon, um, I think it
1: also so varies whether the feeds that they're having overnight are bottle feeds or whether they're breastfeeds too. Mm Um, because if they're breastfeeds, it can be if there is another parent um, in the house, it can be helpful if that parent goes in to try um, tries to reassure the toddler to sleep without the feed because the toddler isn't then clawing at (laughs) mum's top to try and get to the boobs. Um, But if it's bottle feeds, then um, it can be shared more equally between the parents if there's more than one parent present. Um, Yeah, absolutely.
0: And look, depending on the age of your toddler, but I'd say for most toddlers, we sometimes underestimate their ability to understand things. So actually Mm. talk to them about it. I think a lot of parents forget to do this, but you can even use dolls or soft toys and do a little bit of role-playing where you say, "Oh, you know, We're not going to be having feeds overnight anymore, but I'm going to help you get used to not having feeds overnight. Let's imagine what that will be like with the teddies. You know, here's – dad teddy and here's baby teddy mm-hmm. um, baby teddy wakes up and he's really upset and he wants to have a feed but daddy teddy comes in um, and gives him some pats and helps him fall back asleep again without the feed mm. and i mean i'm sure parents probably think i'm nuts saying that but there's a lot of power in actually using your ch- child's favorite toys and objects to demonstrate an idea of something you want them to get on board with and get used to yeah it doesn't necessarily mean they'll um you know be less upset when they notice that you're changing something pretty big about how they fall asleep. Um, but, you know, you know, they've kind of got that idea in their head and they understand what the, the goal is and they understand that you're still around, you're still nearby and you're going to help them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, toddlers can be a bit of a, a mixed bag. There's so many different ways you could go with dropping night feeds. And this is something actually I know you're going to be working on this today, Laura, with the – we're developing the Sambal program for toddlers. I'm so excited about how awesome this is going to be. <laughs> um, you know, looking through all the content we've got planned for it, um, I just think parents are absolutely going to love it. Yes. Um, and I know that you'll be you'll be working on that feeding section probably today yeah, and picking apart be. all those many, many different ways you can work to drop night feeds in toddlers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then, yeah, so little babies, we would approach it probably quite differently, um, dropping night feeds. I think, you know, it's going to depend a bit on their age, but if they're around that six-month mark and you're really looking to drop night feeds, um, their weight gain's okay. And I think especially if you're noticing they just don't seem to be taking to solids and they're still having really big feeds overnight, Mm -hmm. that's when... I didn't mention this earlier, but one of the main reasons we want them to take on more solid food is because as they get older, they can't get enough iron from breast milk alone. So especially for the breastfed babies, they really need to take on more solid foods to get Mm -hmm. their iron intake up. Um, And what happens when iron levels are low? Well, sleep's interrupted. (laughs) So these (laughs) sorts of things can really um, impact upon each other. Um, So, yeah, even if they're quite large feeds at night, if you've been told that it's time to reduce them so that they start to do a bit better on solid food. And typically what I would suggest is starting to stretch out that interval between the feeds. So going back to this um, client's original question, um, they're currently feeding their baby every three to four hours overnight and they are taking quite decent feeds as well. Um, so in that case, you might say, okay, well, it's been three to four hours for a while. Let's start to consistently make it four hours for yeah. maybe three or four nights or so. Um, so if the baby wakes up and it's not time for a feed yet, um, definitely send in a non-breastfeeding parent if you've got one um, to do that resettling Um Yeah, and look, after a few nights, that's when I'd probably say, look, try and go to five-hour intervals. Mm -hmm. Usually around that five-hour mark, though, it's probably a good time to just say, let's do one feed in the middle of the night because five or six hours is usually pretty close to the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, And you might aim for sort of 1 or 2 a.m. or so to do that one feed. So just gradually stretching out the time between the night feeds that's going to send a pretty clear message to your little one's body that mm-hmm. we need to take on a few more calories during the daytime because the night feeds are, are lessening. And so they get that bit of an opportunity to um, you know adjust to that. Um, and then when you're ready, you can drop that, that one night feed as well. Some parents will feed for um, a shorter amount of time if they're breastfeeding or they might offer a little bit less in the bottle and just gradually reduce um, the size of that feed. Um, but some babies are really irritated <laughs> finishing a feed early. So some parents will just keep pushing that feed closer to morning and make it the the first feed of the day. Um, or they might just drop it cold turkey. And that, again, really depends on the individual baby, yeah. what the parents want to do. Um, and definitely offering, you know, for older babies a sippy cup of water if they're not having the feed so they mm-hmm. can still have some hydration. Um, and the other thing to mention too would be, Um, If they're unwell, don't try to drop feeds. Just wait until they're feeling better and and on an even keel.
1: And I tell you what I see quite a lot in Clinic Fallon is uh, babies who have very consistently been having one feed at around 10 or 11 and another feed at around 2 or 3. And they're now Mm -hmm. about 10 months of age and um, it's just been this pattern that has worked um, for quite a few months 10 o'clock feed and the 2 or 3 a.m. feed and Mm. um, the babies are in um, this very firm habit that these are the times that they wake and parents um, are ready to drop the feeds and they say well which one should I do first Mm. should I drop the um, first feed and try and get all the way to 3 a.m. or should I drop that 10, a, 10 p.m feed um, sorry or should I keep the 10 p.m feed and try and get all the way through until morning um, and I think it can be helpful for parents who are in that position to not think about it as dropping one or the other but just like you said earlier just moving to the one feed and thinking mm. okay when um, my baby wakes overnight if it is any time before say 1 a.m I will just settle them using a different method. Mm. And I will not offer them a feed. And then whatever time they wake after about 1am, I will give them a feed the first time that they wake up. And then I won't give them another feed until morning. And then you might do that for um, maybe a week for them to start to get used to it. It breaks that habit of them waking up at 10 and at 3 and they may then start Mm. to more consistently wake up for one feed the first time after midnight, and then when you're ready, um, drop that final feed. And as you were saying, you could either go cold turkey or you could give them half a feed for a few days before dropping it all together.
0: Yeah, yep, absolutely. I think the other thing to note too is when you're not offering that, you know, 10 or 11pm feed, Often that's one of the easiest ones to resettle them without the feed because earlier on in the night, sleep pressure is quite high, whereas mm. 3 or 4 a.m. <laughs> sleep pressure is starting to get a bit low and sometimes they can really push back for a long time or be awake for a long time um, when they're not offered the feed. So often that very first one of the night um, isn't too hard to drop. It takes mm. a little bit of bravery, but um, most parents get there pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. So I hope that that helps and isn't, you know, information overload. (laughs) Um, But hopefully, yeah, parents listening in get a few tips from that.
1: Yeah, if we were just Um, to summarise, Fallon, because we did just go through a massive age range and a wide range of possibilities. But in summary, I think we would say that um, it's perfectly appropriate for babies before the age of six months to have feeds overnight. Um, mm. After six months of age, as long as their weight gain is okay and they're starting to have solid meals during the day, um, you can think about reducing the number of feeds that they have overnight and dropping them all together when you're ready. Um, and there's yeah. various ways that you can do it. First of all, you might think about stretching their feeds so that it's more like four hours overnight um, between feeds. Um, and then you can think about um dropping um starting to drop them um all together and you can do that either by going cold turkey or you can halve it halve a feed um for a few nights um and if there's a a non-breastfeeding parent if you are breastfeeding then it's a good idea for them to do the resettles um when you are dropping a feed
0: yeah good i like that summary (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's good. You made sense of all of our, um, yeah, meandering through the content. Good. All right. Well, we've had um, a few questions come through over the past week. Um, one is from Kim, who is actually an old client of mine. So she said she's recently started Sombal for her soon-to-be-four-month-old, but she actually has a question about her two-year-old sleep. I'm very happy to answer questions about the older ones as well. Um, so she says that from around 13 months, her son was pretty consistently sleeping through the night from, uh, for about 11 hours and mm-hmm. has a two-hour nap in the middle of the day. For the last month, he's been waking pretty consistently around 10 or 11 p.m. every night. He cries quite a bit and sits up. Most nights we give him a cuddle until he's calm and put him back into bed where he goes back to sleep. He's also started waking in the morning earlier than usual. When we put him down for his nap and at bedtime, he still goes off to sleep really quickly in about five or ten minutes. We've gradually reduced his nap down to one hour, but it's still happening and he's now cranky for a while after we wake him up from his nap. Mm. We've also had a play with different sleeping bags in case it's been too hot or too cold, but it hasn't really made a difference. Do we drop his nap completely? He was only two in July, so we feel like he's still quite young um, and could end up being very grumpy without a nap. What are your mm. first thoughts on this one, Laura? Oh, a lot.
1: Um, <laughs> I've got a lot of things <laughs> flying around in my mind. Um, first of all, um, I think it's really good that... Um, Kim and her partner have been looking at um, environmental factors that might be impacting sleep. So um, thinking about whether babies or toddler is too hot or too cold. Um, I'd probably just add to that checklist. Um, Early morning waits can be because um, some bright sunlight is coming in through the uh, size of the blind. So just ensure that um, there isn't any light coming through. Um, and thinking about environmental noises Um, are there any um, neighbors shutting garages next door um, early in the morning that's waking um, the little one Um, then I'd be thinking about um, the uh, how you've described that your toddler is a little bit cranky after waking up from the shortened nap so you're definitely heading in the right direction Um, thinking about whether the nap should be reduced in duration, I would just be wondering if your toddler is waking up grumpy, whether that hour is quite the right duration at which to wake them. Um, Mm. What we can sometimes see, Fallon, is that babies and toddlers, if they're woken mid-sleep cycle, they can be a bit cranky. Um, And don't you find that with um, some families who will describe that sometimes if almost if their baby, if they were were woken at 45 minutes, which is like a typical, you know, the average sleep cycle duration, they're in a better mood than if they are woken at an hour, even though they've had 15 minutes less sleep. But it's about the, the point that they are woken at, isn't it? rather than the duration
0: and an hour nap might work well for a baby or toddler who has a 30 minute sleep cycle because it's two sleep cycles so at that hour point they're coming up into light sleep and if you go to wake them they usually wake pretty easy usually not too grumpy but yeah I mean we sort of know as parents don't we if we're woken up you know, in the deep part of sleep, it feels absolutely wretched. It's (laughs) It's just a (laughs) horrible feeling that everybody can relate to, I'm sure, who's listening to this podcast. Um, So, yeah, trying to figure out what's the length of your sleep cycle. You know, if it's um, 30 minutes, well, then an hour should be okay. But if it's 40 minutes, maybe aiming for an hour 20. Or if it's a 45-minute sleep cycle, maybe, yeah, just aiming for the 45 minutes. Um, So have a bit of a tinker. And I always say watch – Watch them when they're asleep, sort of from around, maybe from around the 35-minute mark through to the 50-minute mark. Just kind of watch what they're doing because if they start to, you know, shuffle a little bit or grimace a little bit, um, often that's a pretty good sign that they've come up into light sleep Mm -hmm. and that's the end of the sleep cycle. So that'll give you a bit of a clue. Um, So, look, I would maybe tinker with the length of that nap, um, try and make it just sort of one sleep cycle and do that for a week or two. Um, And see if the nights start to improve Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think that's that's probably where I would start It sounds like he, he needs his nap if he's a bit grumpy And you're a bit worried about him not coping without having a nap It might not be that he's quite ready to drop it um, but it might be, you know, coming. It might be coming mm. soon. I was also thinking, you know, with 11 hours overnight and a two-hour day nap, that kind of suggests that he had around about a 13-hour sleep need. And what we know is that as kids or babies rather toddlers start to kind of get closer to three years of age they're all sort of gradually heading for around about and i say this very loosely but around about a 12 hour sleep need is the average anyway Mm -hmm. so what we know is that for most children their total sleep needs and total sleep duration gradually declines Mm -hmm. over time so it could be that for this little one um he's actually needing that little bit less sleep Um, And over time, it might even drop further. And at that point, you'll go, yeah, okay, we know he really doesn't need a day nap now and he can cope okay without it. Um, So hopefully that gives you a few things to think about, Kim. Um, And I think with any changes that you make, always make those changes for a week or two. And then you'll really start to understand how that change has impacted sleep and whether you're moving in the right direction um, or not. Mm. And let us know how you go.
1: Um, The only other things I would just um, add there, Fallon, is that um, if when you have, Kim, when you've reduced the nap so that it's just one sleep cycle, you've checked off any of those environmental factors for the early morning wakes, um, consider moving bedtime a little bit later. If you log Mm. your baby, your toddler's sleep for a week and so that you do get a sense of how much his sleep needs are. Um, per 24 hours and then you could alter bedtime and wake up so that it is within that um, time frame if you've done all of that and you're finding that he's still waking overnight don't be scared about dropping that nap because we do see that toddlers can drop their nap um, that early and so mm. there seems to be quite a lot of pressure online, doesn't there, Fallon, about keeping the nap until your toddler is oh, at least yes. three? Um, and that just puts so much pressure and pain well, that's, on parents. Yeah, and
0: that's where, you know, going back to what you said initially, the split nights or bi- biphasic nights can really start to come in. Yes, so, if you're thinking, oh, they can't drop their nap, they're only two, um, there's a long way to go until they're three, so I've got to try and hold on to this nap. Often that's at the expense of nighttime sleep, and you'll start to find that they do have split nights, um, like all the clients in your clinic last week, Laura. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, and it was interesting, I wasn't going to bring this up in the podcast, but we were chatting before this episode about um, how different our experiences of parenting were because of the way the online environment has changed mm. and I was thinking particularly about my first so he's not far off turning 13 years so um, he's my eldest and obviously 13 years is a really long time <laughs> so it was very different back then different to what it was like with my six-year-old um, but yeah with my 13-year-old when he he dropped his nap at about two and I was just like okay that's what we're doing and there was no you didn't go you didn't go online because there wasn't much information online anyway. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't have cared less what other people, you know, were recommending on the internet. It was just there wasn't all of that. I think for today's parents it's exceptionally hard because there's so many competing voices online yeah. and really loud voices that are very emotive and there's a lot of guilt behind a lot of what they're saying and a lot of pressure. Um, I think just look at the child in front of you and if, you know, if you do think, yeah, I think they're ready to drop a nap and power on through the day, don't be scared to just make a call as the parent and Mm -hmm. say, yep, we're going to give that a crack um, because that's how we did it back in the old days. (laughs) (laughs) 13 years ago. I'm feeling very old now. (laughs) And look, if you
1: do do drop the nap and uh, you stick with it for a whole week because it's going to take your toddler a while to get used to, not having a nap during the day. And so if you stick with it for a week and then you just think, Oh my God, no, his eyes are falling out of his head. His level of tiredness mm. um isn't abating. You know, he's just after a week of doing it, he's really exhausted. He's not coping any better as the days
0: go on. Mm. then bring it back. Yeah. No harm done. <laughs> yeah, no harm done. You can give it a try. Yeah, you can go back on Yeah, yeah, yeah you can always revert back. Yeah. All right, just a few really quick last things before we wrap this up. Someone asked, um, they downloaded our medical factors checklist. This is a checklist we um, provide to parents for free where you can check that there aren't any medical factors that might be impacting your baby's sleep. Um, And this parent said um, their two-week-old has reflux that may need to be medicated. They're chatting with their GP about that. And they wondered if there's anything to be gained from um, getting help with sleep from the Sunbel program, our zero-to-three-month program. And, look, I would say yes because there's so much to learn about sleep, knowing about things like setting up a great sleep environment, learning about your baby's unique sleep needs so that you can be sure that you're putting them down for a nap right when they need to be put down for a nap, Um, you know, learning about the psychology of sleep, how it develops, you know, how to parent through these challenges and um, feeding and, oh gosh, there's so much stuff. So all of that other information will be really, really helpful um, for you. Um, And I wanted to do a quick shout-out to Claire, a very lovely person who sent us a really lovely email. Um, We have an email list of subscribers And we sent out an email about this notion that you've probably heard of it. A lot of parents are talking about it. There are people saying that all babies should be fed or cuddled to sleep, no matter how old they are. And so in this email, we weighed in on this and how for some families it might work, but for a lot, it definitely doesn't help. And Claire just had some lovely feedback um, Mm -hmm. about that email and how it really resonated with her. and, um, And that was just really lovely to hear. Um, we also had oh the most beautiful review from, let me just see, I've gone and closed it, from Fiona who <laughs> <laughs> left us a beautiful five-star review um, on the Apple Podcast app. Thank you so much, Fiona. Um, I love how helpful you found this podcast. It means so much hearing that feedback. It sounds like you're doing a wonderful job with your seven-month-old um, and we're just so glad that you're enjoying it. So yeah. thank you so much. That feedback is, is really lovely. Yeah, thank you. And just finally, um, because I've mentioned that free medical factors checklist, I just wanted to make our listeners aware that we have two freebies that you can um, go and download if you want to. Um, so one is that medical factors checklist. So you can just make sure if you've got sleep problems that there isn't a medical factor um, impacting on your child's sleep and if you think there is you can take that checklist to your GP and get them checked out the other one is we have a free kind of I think it's about 12 page ebook it's like a free guide to baby sleep and the most common factors that can impact on baby sleep so if you're keen to get hold of those I'm going to pop the links in the show notes um, and then you'll also join our emailing list then too so we send out an email usually about once a week if I've got the stamina in me. <laughs> on friday um so yeah if you want to hear more from us then that's a great way to do it um i think we better wrap that up we've yeah. been yarning for quite a long time laura yeah, we have we can't <laughs> stop ourselves <laughs> no we can't have a great week everybody and uh yeah until next week thanks everyone bye-bye if you need help with your baby's sleep or settling then you need some bell. Sombell is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic for babies aged 0 to 12 months. It contains all the best resources from Dr. Fallon and Dr. Laura's Sleep Clinics, so you can rest easy and soak in your baby. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.